Hey, welcome to Joyous Eclectic, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the interesting in all sorts of music. Let's get to it. What have you guys been uh, checking out this week? I actually have like a thing that I listen to a lot this week because on Friday, the Gorillaz new album came out called The Now Now. And it's really good. I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. I it it's less like hip hop uh, genre as like humans was just search straight, just like here's a backbeat and a guy rapping over it, and that's cool. And I mean like that that can be good <laughs> sometimes. Cool. And that's kind of how I felt about Plastic Beach the first time I listened to it too. And I really like Plastic Beach now mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but the now now is. It's got some of that 80s kind of influence that's going on right now, but it's just really upbeat, and it's really happy sounding, and it's a lot of fun, Hmm. and it's a lot more just like Damon Albarn singing, and then like Snoop Dogg comes back for a song, and it's it's just a, a, a great time. Humility is the single that they put out uh that was like the first like we're putting out a new album very soon and this Mm -hmm. is a track for it it's got a video that like jack blacks in randomly interesting yeah super interesting (laughs) um but it's it's just a really fun time yeah super cool i like the gorillas neat thanks yeah i uh i've heard two of the tracks off of it so far and they're both very good i heard humility Mm mm-hmm and whatever the other one that they put out. Like, they released right one the like, album. right at the same time, and then there was Fireflies that was mm-hmm. on Spotify that I listened uh, to. I'm pretty sure that's that Owl one. City. <laughs> that's totally Owl City. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, covered by the popular, popular band Beautiful Dying Day. That was oh, yes. Yeah, we did uh, a... Those guys the, for with their, their platinum records. <laughs> Honestly, it, it got like a total of... Uh, Combining two different YouTube videos, I got like a million plays on YouTube, wow. Oh, wow. which was fun. But um, it also the one that got most of them, the like was some guy just put it up, and I mean it was also way before monetization, and I don't know yeah. if it would have. I think it would have counted with a cover because um, I looked up some stuff about that recently. But the guy put it up, and he was like, uh, "Fireflies by Beautiful Day, Beautiful Day Dying," and I'm like. <laughs> I contacted him like five times, mm-hmm. being like, dude, that's not even the right band name. Can you put a link in there? Like, help help brother out. Yeah. And he's like, silence. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he didn't nothing. say anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, man. So that was frustrating. But yeah, that was the internet. The when do you guys think the 80s craze in music is going to die down? Man, I hope it's at least by the end of the summer. Or you is think that kind of here to stay from, for, here's, for a little while? Here's my thoughts on things. <laughs> no. That's mm, that's not quite right. This is, it's a different thought, but probably I'm guessing next year at some point is my What's going to replace it? What's going to be the trend? Probably 90s stuff. You think 90s is going to come back? Yep. Well, I mean, it the... already is fashion-wise to a large degree. I never yes. thought it would. I was always yeah. like, I mean, but that's what you always think. You know, I remember 
when the 80s thing was coming back in, I was like, man, I mean, I guess I get why this would be coming back. Like, it looks really like, you know, whatever. Um, but that 90s stuff is never coming back in. Fishnets and <laughs> elephant pants. And hopefully, granted, that those things don't come back no matter what. You don't want Jinkos? But there's, I mean, there's people that still wear stuff like that even starting now. So I, I don't know. I can never... I can never say. It's weird. It's just that, you know, the 90s is not far away enough to make yeah, a I comeback. I feel like yeah. it could be something that would cycle back around. Yep. But, I mean. I lived during that time. So, are we going to get, like, grunge part two? <laughs> I mean, I probably, I guess. I don't know. That's, it's interesting because there's just not as many, like, there's things in 80s music, elements of it that you can intersperse into other media, other songs yeah. or whatever. And it gives like an 80s kind of hint or wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Mm -hmm. sort of like, hey, by the way, remember the 80s? With just that, a little synth tone or whatever. Yeah. But with 90s stuff, yeah. With 90s, besides like the pop boy bands kind of stuff, the grunge side of the 90s, you can't have just like a small element of grunge. Exactly. It would have to be a whole like, all right, we're going to be a grunge band who does grunge songs. Or more likely, some pop artists just does a one-off grunge song and it's like oh cool remember that stuff mm-hmm. um but i mean there's i mean my the kids in my youth group were born in 1999 or 2000 or whatever so to some of them and they're 18 yeah i mean because it's 2018 but like yeah, they're coming up to 18 year olds the 90s wasn't even a thing that they know in the same mm-hmm. way that i didn't know the 80s at all uh, sure. so i don't know it's yeah. crazy times be interesting my the thing that i was gonna say is that i've got a running theory that's probably wrong, but I don't know, whatever, we'll find out, <laughs> that decades, like, don't actually start culturally, decades start two years in and end two years out. So, all the, hmm. in the sense that, well, the thing that first made me think of it was I saw a, a cover for some movie uh, that came out in 2002, and I was like, man, that's the most 90s <laughs> movie cover ever, huh. and then I looked, oh, it was made in 2002 or 2001 or something, yeah. And then that sort of jump-started that realization of, I think, you know, like the 2010s, some of that stuff didn't really phase out until 2012, and that's when new stuff... There's always going to be kind of a gradient to that stuff, because it's not like everybody wakes up one day and they're like, no more flannel! (laughs) Right. Can't wear any more flannels, can't wear any more fishnets, no more 90s (laughs) stuff, no more 90s stuff, it's 2000, all our computers exploded, we can't do this stuff anymore. Uh, it, it's just such a like mm-hmm. kind of cultural thing where more and more people like get into something and then eventually it becomes it popular. becomes really like a pop culture phenomenon mm-hmm. like two years into somebody's been doing it for yeah. that long. I think you know? the early 2000s musical and fashion trends were more bizarre than the 90s. Mm. I really think so. I think like going back and seeing like those any teen comedy movie is just strange. <laughs> like they all came out in those three years, like 99 to 2002, which is, yeah. was more to your point that like all, all that 90s stuff that we associate like as nineties fades into the early two thousands. And then it, then it just kind of completely dies out out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very strong turning point. I think there's one specific turning point, at least in my <laughs> life that yeah. I noticed all the early 2000s stuff just died. Hmm. And that was when Lord of the Rings came out. Wow. And Return of the King in 2003. That is like the bridge of like the modern era from, <laughs> from, from the early 2000s, like late 90s, all that left over. Lord of the Rings comes out and then we're fully into this new generation. And I, I, I will talk more about that later with yeah. today's topic. Okay, yeah, I'm curious. 
Yeah. Uh, Parker, what have you been listening to? Yeah. Um, so quickly, a funny, not even quite funny story. I worked from home today. Um, wow. because, which is, I mean, that happens every once in a while. Typically once a week I'll work from home anyway. Um, just cause that's what our work does. But, uh, today I had to because my car won't move out of park because or- the, like the gear shift or whatever, it's an automatic, so it's not a gear shift, but the thing that like changes it from park it's still to a shifter. Yeah. The shifter, the button on it that's supposed to release it to switch gears the inside of it just straight up dry rotted out. So right now oh. there is no button and the stuff like I can't even glue it back in there because all the <laughs> little bits of pieces of stuff keep coming back out and I have no idea wow. what I'm doing. So tomorrow <laughs> I'm going to see like just try to take it off and do something. I don't know. But it's just the weirdest reason. Like I can't move my car because yeah. eh, it dry rotted in the park. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Just um, lives here now. And another thing that was fun over the weekend, I played a show kind of thing and Matt was there. And that was, was. neat. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, mm-hmm. and the and Chad actually helped me out when my car was stuck. He I did. I did that. drove me all the way to Cool Springs for my wife to pick up her car. Um, but music wise... This week I was listening to Sky Harbor. Which is a band that is quite good. Uh, <laughs> the vocalist from Tesseract, which is a band that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Yes. I think the week that... I don't remember what week I mentioned it, but in any case, I mentioned it at some point. If you liked them at all, Sky Harbor is a lot like them in a lot of ways. So it's metal um, and pretty like kind of progressive and stuff. But the album specifically that I'd recommend is Blinding White Noise, Illusion, and Chaos, which came out in 2012. And it's I think it's their first album. And it's the vocalist from Tesseract before he was in Tesseract. Um, he was in this band. And the band is... Uh, there's some members from like Cleveland, Ohio, and then a bunch from Mumbai and New Delhi, India, which like oh, yeah. you don't really see that very often. So that's fun. Um, but they're they're really good. So it's uh, it's lo- like Tesseract in a lot of ways, kind of melodic, progressive metal kind of stuff, but actually has screaming, whereas Tesseract doesn't really like a couple of songs barely do. But for the most part, they don't, um, whereas this one does. So, yeah, and they've got a new album coming out in September, which is a little ways away. But that's that's what I've been checking out, and it was fun. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? Yeah, so uh, last week we talked about seasonal music, and <laughs> mm-hmm. it got me it got me on that summer kick. <laughs> it really did, because I, I walked away from that episode thinking, man, I don't... I don't, I'm not up on my summer music. I just, I dreaded summer for so long. And now that I live in Tennessee and the summers are actually somewhat bearable. Granted, <laughs> for the you. past weekend was tremendously hot. Yeah. Don't even get me started. It was, it was miserable. Oppressively humid. But not. it's still not as bad as Florida. So now I can actually kind of enjoy the summers and I really enjoy the cooler summer nights, like when it starts getting breezy. So I was, I, I spent a good portion of Saturday actually making my summer playlist. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's not all you got. You kept going. There's more in there. I believe in you. I have no idea what you guys are referencing. Uh, summer breeze. Uh, yes. Cool. Seals and, seals and crops. Yeah. 
crossbow seals. Sure. Oh. Shoot. What is, is that? It? Yeah, it's crossbow. Related to seal uh, at all? Crossbow uh, seals. Yeah. from no, the rose on the grave. <laughs> <laughs> Not not related to Seal at all. None of those songs are on my summer playlist. I made a summer playlist. That that song was written for Batman Forever yeah, Returns. I, Returns, yeah, that's what. Like I think I kind of knew that at one point, and then I forgot it, and yeah, then I remember the music video. He's standing yeah, in front oh, of yeah, it's really Batman-y. There's a lot of Batman nipple suit going on in that one. <laughs> Uh, uh, was that the George Clooney Batman? I, th- I think so. no. Those, no. Uh, Val uh, Kilmer. Uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Man, I mostly well, no, think of wasn't Michael, Michael Keaton? Keaton was still playing. Uh, yeah, Michael Keaton oh, was okay. was in Returns, and then then it was Val Kilmer, uh-huh. and then it was Clooney. Clooney was only in Batman and Robin, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that Kilmer was in Forever, and then uh, Keaton was the first two. There's some of those. Mm-hmm. Or one of those, at least. I think it was Batman and Robin. Oh, which is that the one with Two Face? Batman and Robin had Two Face and Poison uh, Ivy. Bane. No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Uh, Batman and Batman Robin. Forever. Batman I, Forever had Two Face okay. and the Riddler. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, that Batman one I've seen. Jim, was Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Yes. Right? Yeah. I yeah. saw that when I was like seven, and I've seen that one a bunch of times, and a bunch of the other ones I have never seen. <laughs> yeah. Batman and Robin was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Freeze and Poison. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger's you. best role ever. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> fight me on that, please. <laughs> Him standing on top of the tower, just going. <laughs> I'd rather watch two hours of that than any Terminator movie. I don't care what you say. I'll say I want my mat back. <laughs> so, so, what uh, have you been listening to? I made a <laughs> summer music. I made, like. I made a summer playlist. Yep. Uh, it's really good. Check it out on Spotify. It's called Summer Nights Advertisement. <laughs> but uh, because I was picking so many artists on there, I, I you know kind of went through the browse like suggestions based on the. 50 that i had picked and i was like oh you probably want this on there too and i was like i probably do i just let <laughs> spotify tell me how to run my life now it's old. <laughs> so, uh it recommended a couple songs by a band that i've loved since college but i kind of rekindled my relationship with them through this uh la luz And they're a four-piece uh, surf rock group uh, consisting of all girls, and they're nice. absolutely incredible. Not that like girl bands typically aren't, because right. they're great. <laughs> but like uh, for a surf rock band, well, for just any band, uh, the musicianship with these guys is absolutely incredible. I went back and listened to their first record called "It's Alive," and particularly the opening track, "Sure as Spring," is one of the most fun times you'll ever have. Just listening to like careless surf rock careless i don't know whispers. careless whispers yeah it's one of the most fun times you'll ever have listening to careless whispers but no it's uh it's got some like the drums all throughout this album are on they ride this border of chaos and perfection hmm. uh they're super tight the whole way through but like you never know it it's one of those albums that sounds like it could fall apart at any minute, <laughs> but they still hold everything together in such a way that no other band could replicate. Like if you tried to go and do that, you couldn't do it because everything's so like chaotic to where it's, it can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. You know, like not even the band would be able to do it the way that they do it on this album yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, but th- that's what makes it so fun to me is it, it's not, it's not built on perfection, but it does sound very tight. Like they're all, they're all playing, 
almost out of place together and that's what makes it so cool uh but yeah especially the drums um there's like some some super fast beats on here that's where she's like hitting the hi-hat you know just keeping this very consistent beat at a speed that i don't know how she's doing it with one hand it's crazy because she's got you know like triple hits on the snare while she's like basically blast beats yeah uh, but it's you know it's all still just surf rock and the, I mean the bass lines are all great you know the bass and the drums go really well together on this album and tons of drowned out reverb and vocals which is always very fun to listen to it makes you it makes you want to get up in the morning and go surfing that's what it makes you want to do if you knew how but your parents never got you surfing lessons Matt so you don't know how to surf so you just well, go you watch all the other the surfers Atlantic what a side, loser so where are you gonna surf <laughs> but yeah I listen to that and then. I, I I mean, yeah, I've been listening to a whole bunch of like summary tunes and just kind of getting in the mood, mm-hmm. you know, just that, that nice vibe of summer. And I, I'm really starting to appreciate it more. I don't mm. think I hate summer anymore. Which is I interesting because on Wednesday, oh, I have another story real quick after mm. this. Um, on, on Wednesday, I was somewhere and the, the guy was like, who here loves summer? And if you're not raising your hands, I just know you're lying. I was telling Chad about this and I was like, Matt. Matt hates summer. My wife hates summer. So that's at least two people. <laughs> Great. Chad hates Chad, summer. Chad, Chad hates Alyssa summer. hates summer. <laughs> yeah. Summer is still my least favorite of the seasons and yeah. probably always will be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no way it's ever going to be fall or winter. But the it's... thing I was going to mention too. So I was, again, Chad uh, dropped me and my wife off in Cool Springs to pick up our car. And we went to the food court at the mall to get some food because there were just a bunch of options there and some of it's pretty good. And I went to this Greek place and I, was, oh. I already told Chad about this, but Matt, you get to enjoy. Um, the guy, um, so I was in the line and uh, the guy making the food is talking to the guy next to me and he's going, oh, which one was yours, amigo? And he's like, oh, it's this one. And he goes, yeah, so is this for you, amigo? And then he goes, you are an amigo, right? And, and the guy's like, yeah, 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 I'm an amigo. He's like, okay, yeah, cool, cool. I thought you were. He's like, yeah, not everybody notices, I guess. So unless I speak Spanish, and he was like, cool, yeah. I was like, that was interesting. And then the girl on the other side of me, which I didn't actually look at her, but Ashley did at some point, and was like, no, she was straight up like Asian Oriental of some kind, not at all Latin American. And Ooh. the guy also goes, hey, how's it going, amiga? You're an amigo, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh, no. I'm pretty sure this guy's Greek. Like, I don't know. I that, It was just the funniest thing. So I just want to go around asking everybody, like, how's it going, amigo? You're an amigo, right? You're an amigo, right? And if they take... Was like, he not going to give you the food otherwise? <laughs> if they take any kind of racial offense to it, I'll just be like, no, like a friend. I, We're I friends, just wanted to right? know if you were my friend. No, I, I seriously, I just thought that was such a funny interaction to observe. It's a little strange. And especially for that girl who I wonder... I don't think she saw it coming. Like, probably I don't not. think she was like, oh no, he's probably going to think I'm an amigo. Like, I mean, if I was standing somewhere and, and that happened and then somebody was like, you're an amigo, right? I'd be like, wow, uh, no. Have you seen me? Like, I'm super pale. No. I'd probably just wink. <laughs> and they wouldn't know wouldn't what you'd like to know. <laughs> oh man. So that was that was some highlights of my week. Why don't you I ask me out, Sailor, and find out. Uh man, you guys want to get into uh into the topic? Yeah, let's, let's get into the topic. Thing. So this week we're talking movie soundtracks and scores. 
So mm-hmm. if I uh, could make like an old timey camera reel noise with my mouth, I would have done it then. But yeah, I just that's can't do like it a <laughs> old timey roller coaster kind of more. Oh. Although a lot of those old timey things have very similar sounds, that's like the fair. gears rotating, a lot of yeah. clattering. If you, if you think about bicycles, it, a lot of clattering. bicycles, um, the wind, like old wind, mm, old just wind. really old oh. wind. Uh, women, <laughs> women back in those times, <laughs> just really creaky, just creaky bones, man. <laughs> Somebody's going to All that. of the music from back in the days. <laughs> all Like every song is just yep. click, 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 click. <laughs> it's loom. weird. Just straight up. Yeah. <laughs> click, click, it's click, one of the click, most beautiful click, click, pieces click, ever click, written, click, but click, click, it is clicky. Just... <laughs> Which is where the you gotta be in the in group, yeah, (laughs) man. So we're talking about movie soundtracks and movie Mm -hmm. scores. Uh, I was very excited about this week. This is one that I've wanted to do from the beginning, and I knew that I would have a lot to say about it. (laughs) You guys were saying before the show that "Eh, maybe we're not gonna have a lot to say. Chad's gonna have a lot to say. I could talk about some stuff to say. (laughs) I'll be I'll be the the little bear or whatever in that situation. If you're, uh, I'll be the mama bear. Yeah, and Matt's our papa bear. Yep. I'm gonna I... be Goldilocks instead. No. Oh. Okay. You got the hair for it. Thanks. For Goldilocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm really rocking it. He's not blonde or has long hair. Nope. The opposite of Goldilocks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go on. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whatever so... random asides come from me. <laughs> so yeah, this week I was very excited about it because I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. I love movies. I love movie scores. I mean, it's call it lame, call it what you will, but I love chilling back and listening to movies, music without watching the movies. I obviously like watching the movies, but I can enjoy a score if it's good just as much as I enjoy the movie, if not more. I think I've listened to scores in the past or, you know, just soundtracks or whatever you want to call them. uh, And... uh, you know, aside from the movie, and I actually enjoy those more than I enjoyed the movie. Mm. Uh, because oh, I think a lot of times, as good as a movie may be, or as bad, there are bad movies with good <laughs> scores. What? The, I mean, the, the, the score is not the intention. That's not the sole intention of the movie, obviously. You're not supposed to pay all your attention to the, the music. But I like doing that. And when when the music in a movie gets drowned out by dialogue or by something else and all my attention is taken away from it, a lot of times that really irks me. Uh, mm. Like if, if there's like a really good song going and then it gets turned down a lot, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I want to hear more of that. Like I don't care what the actors are saying. Like give me, give me some more of that. So a lot of times I don't, I don't get like offended, but I do get annoyed when, you know, a good song or a good score or whatever it is happening in a movie just gets like pushed to the side so it's it's always been enjoyable for me to go back and listen to the music so then i can like make it up make up my own mind um about it but there was one thing that i kind of wanted to get you guys's opinion on and that's i guess the difference between well maybe not the difference between but there First of all, I want everybody to know that this is not a list show. We are not nope. listing off like the greatest scores. Or So if you're expecting us to sit here and talk about like Star Wars and whatever, we're not going to. And I say Star Wars in particular because I don't think there's much argument here. Star Wars is the best score of all time. <laughs> oh, wow. It is. It's the best. I, I don't think that there's... It, it stands alone as its own entity. And that's that's the reason that I don't think any of us, any of us are going to talk about it is because star, the Star Wars music 
is instantly recognizable. It's yeah. I'd argue that it's the most recognizable piece of music of all time. People have, who have never seen the movie can probably uh, listen to that twinkle, opening. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is pretty recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say okay, anyway. it's the it's the most recognizable movie there piece of music. The fourth of all track time. on Animals as Leader's second album is pretty recognizable. Pretty recognizable. You play that to a I little kid <laughs> over in like Australia. 100%. Because, you know, they're a third world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That um, third world country, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think that uh, it's... it's The Star Wars music is almost too recognizable at this point. It to, has kind to, of transcended, like, what it was yes, into being... Like, at one point, it was, it was a score that was meant to accompany a movie. At this point in time, because the franchise is so huge... And everything about it is so huge. You can almost take any particular piece of the Star Wars franchise, be it a character, a setting, a ship, uh, whatever, and you could remove it from the canon, the franchise entirely, and it would still be a good thing. It would still stand alone as a great thing on its own. Mm. It doesn't have to, like the music does not have to be in the movie in order to be great. And I wanted to spend more time talking about the reason that, scores are put into movies and that is to accompany the movie mm-hmm. uh to, to where like the point when you're you know like star wars is one of the scores that i'll listen to and when they're like turning it down in the movie i get upset because i just want to hear the music <laughs> and there's a lot of movies out there like that and i'll put some honorable mentions up and whatnot but that's what really kind of uh I, I didn't want to spend the time talking about is just like going around saying how great, you know, oh, this amazing piece of uh, movie music was, you know, like whatever. It is great. Yeah. And I'm not arguing that. I think Star Wars is the best yeah. music. I think John Williams is probably the best m- movie composer he's, that he's ever lived. Definitely probably the most prolific. Uh, yeah, like compose like it's, as far as film goes, score. I had a band teacher word. in high school who thought John Williams was a. Uh, uh, hack he <laughs> yeah he honestly uh, he because he used to say like he used to play us on piano pretty much any recognizable john williams score and john williams really likes major fifths if you yeah, haven't 100%. if you haven't recognized that go back and listen to star wars bum bum like go that, back and that listen is to... the interval that people like when you're yep. doing ear training in school they'll be like if you want to always be able to recognize a perfect fifth sing the first two notes of star wars yep. like that's what it is and you go mm-hmm. oh okay cool i know what that interval is mm-hmm. now yeah it's and it's and it is that that interval is present in a lot of his music it's the same for et in fact this score for et is the same score as star wars just kind of in reverse yeah. <laughs> interesting uh, bum 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 mm. yeah uh, it's prevalent in Jurassic Park. It's in a whole lot of John Williams scores. If you if you go back and listen to them, but I don't think that that takes away any credit from no, yeah. the music that he's composed. I think there's some. I mean, there's some intervals and some chords and stuff that just have certain emotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if he's found a way to use, you know, arguably similar ones in ways that. You know, kind of accent that movie and accentuate what's being, you know, trying to be shown there, whether it's just like victorious things or whatever. Like, I mean, cool. 
you know, yeah, more power yeah, to you. Yeah, I think that's just kind of the, the nature of like perfect fifths and fourths being so open yeah. mm-hmm. is that when you're trying to write a score, you're not just trying to capture like one individual emotion in a scene. You're usually trying to like not only capture the emotion of the scene, but also make a segue into something else, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And that I'm I'm painting such broad strokes <laughs> here sure. uh, with, with this generalization. But fifths and fourths oftentimes give you a, a, a really easy path to going from like something that's really triumphant sounding to mm-hmm. maybe something a little bit more sinister mm-hmm. or like if you've got this really big like major thing that you're doing that's all based around like fifths and fourths it's really easy to suddenly like kind of change that with little intervals into mm-hmm. being something more uh unnerving or or disconcerting mm-hmm. so i don't know yep yeah and i mean there's intervals that are obviously every interval can evoke a different emotion. Mm-hmm. And in a movie score, those are so popular because they are instantly, like, they can instantly make an audience feel whatever emotion, you mm-hmm. know, typically first to fifth, I would, I would say is happy um, <laughs> or, or, or optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't hear many scores that, that use that interval that make you feel ominous or <laughs> scared <Yeah. laughs> or sad or anything. It's typically associated with positive emotions, which could be a, discussion for another time another nature versus nurture discussion <laughs> right, who knows yeah. but you know like a minor third a first a minor third it would evoke the exact opposite emotions mm-hmm. so oh, that's why so many horror movies you know or, or just, a minor second or yeah, a minor second those, those really distant yeah. yep think of another john williams score horror movie which is crazy if you really think about that not even really think if you just think about it <laughs> John Williams wrote two notes. Yeah. <laughs> and he made millions of dollars for writing two notes. Yep. That's crazy. Work smarter, not harder, I guess. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think it just goes to show that it's the, you know, that soundtracks or scores are about accentuating what, again, what's happening on screen. Exactly. And bringing to life, you know, the kind of like, what am I feeling about what I'm seeing? And so how can that music make that more palpable? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so much of it, too, is is kind of that idea of, like, writing for what's going on and, like, the, the melodies that you're picking describing kind of what's happening in the show. Because, I mean, again, when John Williams was first starting to write scores for things, it probably wasn't fantastic stuff. And if maybe if Jaws hadn't been such a huge hit as a movie, like right. a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. would John Williams have gone on to do other things or and, and i mean like the score is is Star good Wars was before jaws right no jaws came out in really 1975 really mm-hmm. man uh, i've never seen it so <laughs> i'm yeah. a loser uh no yeah, i mean it's just one of those things where it's like he probably didn't write as the the same depth of music for that because mm-hmm. he maybe wasn't getting paid as much or something you know i, I mean like mm-hmm. if that movie hadn't done so well he probably wouldn't have risen to the the place that he did. Yeah. Star Wars hadn't done so well yeah. as a movie. Totally. Sure. John Williams probably wouldn't be as iconic as he is now. Mm-hmm. The store st- score still would have been good, mm-hmm. but he just may not have achieved that level of like cultural. Uh, I mean, it it is a pop culture like phenomenon. He is sure he, because he is so instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of people on the planet who don't know who John Williams is mm-hmm. and know the Star Wars score. Well, it, it's funny that you say, you know, if if Star Wars hadn't have been as big of a hit as it was, then his music may not have reached the level mm-hmm. or, or him as a person. I would say the the exact opposite goes as well as just as much as that. If if 
his score hadn't been as good or recognizable in that Star film Wars as it wouldn't was. Have been as good. That movie would not have yeah. been as good. I, mean, I am one hundred percent believer. Yeah, no, that. I, yeah. I mean, I I totally agree. It's yeah. it's just this kind of like mutual mm-hmm. uh, relationship that the both. It's have. It's just one of those things where one everything one clicked, there. everything yeah, worked. Yeah. I remember my dad telling me that when he first saw that in theaters, that was the first movie where he ever like was aware of the score, where it's not just which is because <laughs> it is shouted at you at the yes, top of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, because. Um, Honestly, for me, with a lot of movies, part of why this discussion is a little bit hard for me is because I just let the music most of the time. And a lot of times the music isn't necessarily extraordinary stand on its own kind of thing. It just it supports what's going on, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And that's what it's supposed to do. But that's what I just let it do, too. I don't try mm-hmm. to pay attention to it most of the time, yeah. even though I love music. But for that, I think that was, you know, my dad was probably the same way until that one's like, Hey, here's the music. Yeah. And then he, so that was, he like went out and bought it a record of the soundtrack afterwards. Mm-hmm. Cause he was like, this is pretty great. And it is hard. It is hard to kind of, uh, to switch off like that, that mode of when you're watching something like star Wars, you do expect to hear good music. Like maybe not good at all times, but you do expect like, that's part, that is a character. The music is a character. Yeah. Just like when you're watching, the Harry Potter franchise, like over over a series of eight films, another John Williams score for the most part, you expect to hear, you need to hear that in the in the movies. Whereas if you're watching a lot of other movies, yeah, there's a score, but you know, you're it's not it's not hard for you to switch off your brain and just pay attention to the movie and let the music do its thing. And if you happen to hear anything that you know is is set apart, then I think you got a a good score. If not, that doesn't mean it's not a good score but it you know it's not one that you're gonna go out and buy the album to it's also helpful just in series in general i mean like yes. a series will go out of their way probably more than others to make sure there's a good motif because they know that it's gonna have to come back yep. mm-hmm. but then also you know it coming back in multiple movies you kind of know oh this is this is what it feels like like what yep. music in this movie in this universe kind of feels like or whatever which is something that i guess that's kind of interesting i don't know in the marvel universe um i, I, I don't that's, know that's one that's one area where the marvel universe yeah. lacks i is, think they have music. blockbuster music yeah but that's about it they'll do little stuff every now and then but they don't have like okay so so what you're describing is is literally just late motifs right it's yeah. people taking exactly. what they're what's happening in the movie and saying i'm going to write a specific melody that represents this specific thing mm-hmm. and i mean that that is why i love the zelda games so much yep. that's why i love the music for those games so much that's why i love the star wars music so much is because you have the big opening score but you also have leia's theme you have luke's theme mm-hmm. you have han's theme you have all these different late motifs that happen centered around characters or places um what the, the marvel movies just don't assign music right. to people yeah. so they're so much more right. focused on like the action of what's happening and they'll do little bits like in infinity war mm-hmm. when they do go to wakanda they do play the theme that played from Black yes. Panther that, mm-hmm. that Ludwig Göransson wrote. And that's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like this is the movie we, or this is the music we heard for yeah. most of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool. But that's really the only, like everything yep. else that they did in Infinity War was just, yep. you know, whatever for Infinity right. War. And then there was credited that song to Ludwig Göransson. And that was the <laughs> like the only credit in that song other than the, the ones that Guardians of the Galaxy did. Anyway. Yeah. That's not important, uh, but yeah, that I mean, that's something that just like the Marvel movies haven't really focused on, and and it is an it's an interesting choice, and it's why we're not going to talk about them either for this <laughs> entire podcast. I'm assuming, like, yeah, um, I don't know. 
Late, late motifs are something that just is really helpful for reinforcing. And, and I'll tell this story too, since we're talking about Star Wars. When I went and saw Solo, uh, you know, that's one of these like Star Wars stories or whatever. I'm a I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I I have enjoyed that media property for basically my entire <laughs> life because like sure. i i have very distinct memories of sitting with my dad watching like the the original trilogy and stuff and uh anyway i i, I get really nostalgic over the themes and stuff and so it, i i can get choked up so hard on late motifs like when stuff happens and then you have that little sting in the background i will i will like physically react to that and so when we were watching solo this isn't really a spoiler but if you really don't want to know anything about Solo, just tune out for like 15 seconds. <laughs> the first time when they're actually in the Millennium Falcon oh, yeah. and, and Han sits down and then like the girl gets out of the seat and Chewie sits down. Mm-hmm. They take this moment and look at each other and the main theme plays and I about just bawled. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I was sitting in the theater just like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the same thing happened for me when uh, Force Awakens, that, that scene where they're running away from the TIE fighter. And he's like, oh, what about that shit? She's yeah. like, oh, that's garbage. And then <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is that, like, as they're running past it, you can totally see the fucking mm-hmm. in the background, but you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. And then when they actually do, like, you know, mm-hmm. do an actual wide shot on it, then the main theme plays, and you're like, oh, oh, no, oh, right <laughs> <in the> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Take your stupid money. <laughs> I'll be back next year, too. Yeah. I'm going to go write a complaint online about how much I hate the nostalgia. <laughs> Nah, I love nostalgia. But well, so, let's get into some yeah, examples. Let's, let's actually talk, Matt, what you got? Yeah, so uh, again, just to kind of further this point, um, I think a score does a really good job when it enhances the film that you're watching and when you can kind of, like, I, I like to think about films in a way that if they didn't have the score that was in them, would they have been as good? And so that's why I say Star Wars, no. No way in the world it would have been as good. It still would have been a good movie with Mm -hmm. other music behind it. Sure, it would not be the classic that it is today. Uh, Many, many, many movies are like that. Um, And I think there's... uh, I think when a composer sits down and studies the film and studies the characters and the plot and everything about it, and writes the best music to accompany that as opposed to just what he or she feels like writing or you know th- that's that's when it becomes good i think one genre that struggles in this is horror i think a lot of mm-hmm. horror movies uh composers will just think or say oh it's a horror movie i need to write something scary mm-hmm. and they'll rely on overplayed cliches and spooky sound effects i think one horror movie that did a tremendous job and that was the shining in 1980 Hmm. jack nicholson uh directed directed by stanley kubrick wendy carlos conducted the music for that movie but if you go back and watch the shining you're only going to get the music is very sparse in that movie as it was intended to be i mean with the themes of the movie you know about isolation and it's unsettling silence but it, you know, obviously that was deliberate, and I I think the score does a very good job of playing. And this is before those those cliches were played out, like you know, loud string hits mm-hmm. at random points, or you know, somebody just like smacking a violin string. Um, you know, and I I guess Psycho was the first example to do this. Yeah, that kind of made a mm-hmm. made a notable like this is what horror music should sound like, and 
it's kind of a shame, but I think The Shining did that very well uh, with keeping the music so sparse. And, and because, you know, back in 1980, music was a big part of movies and, and audiences had mm-hmm. kind of come to expect to, to hear something going on at all times. And when you didn't get that, that only added to the tension and the horror of that movie. But the one that I decided to go with is another movie <laughs> that seriously creeps me out when I first watch it. And this is not a horror movie. And I say it creeps me out because... My Little Pony... It was My Little Pony. To Ponyland. <laughs> uh, purple, purple Gal Adventures. Oh, wow. Uh, no, it was... That um, would creep me out. Not going to lie. <laughs> it was, it, this was the first movie that I actually ever went and saw in the theater on the big screen on IMAX. I went and saw it in IMAX, and it literally put me on the edge of, this, edge of my seat. And mm-hmm. I, movies have never done that for me. And I always thought that was just an expression, but I was literally like about to fall out of my seat. There were points <laughs> in this movie when like my whole body was like physically shaking just because I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen next. And that is the best feeling in a movie is just literally having no idea what's going to happen next. And that was interstellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I forgot you were talking about this. <laughs> and of course, like that movie came out and of course, it was a huge hit. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan, and it had all the ingredients to be a hit, and it, you know, rightfully so. But it did get a lot of flack online as the years went by. People were like, "Well, it is kind of dumb, you know. It's it's trying to be 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey, and it's really not." Mm-hmm. I don't care what any of that stuff says. Interstellar is one of the best movies of the 2000 post 2010. It really is, and Hans Zimmer conducted the score for it, and it mm-hmm. is an absolutely beautiful, breathtaking score. And one of the scenes, or a couple of the scenes that almost had me falling out of my seat were just scenes of the the ship that they take out in space and, and just, like, looking on that ship in the vast emptiness of space, like, yeah. next to Saturn or something. And you just get this swell of this church organ, this huge church pipe organ. And it's just, you know, like, one sea being held out for, like, 10 seconds, and then it just kind of fades out. I that that to me is another example of like it's like a John Williams and Jaws thing. Like mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer wrote a note mm-hmm. and he just played it on a big church organ and it was like <laughs> that successful. And it, it it does the scenes that you know the the scenes that use the score are so tension filled and the the score just fits that tension so well. They all escalate like every song like every track just escalates to this perfect release but none of the songs really have a release uh they're all left like on a strange note uh none of them really resolve so yeah we'll play we'll play this is the uh, sample from the main theme of the movie that kind of gets um repeated as we go along That soundtrack is so good. Every like the huge parts of that, where mm-hmm. the organ's kind of doing this very like Takata and Fugue sort of thing, mm-hmm. where it's it's just doing like these alternating. Mm-hmm. It it reaches this fever pitch in those scenes where like something really intense is happening, 
and it'll still pull back out to this like huge vastness of space with this tiny ship that's like flying out of control or something yep. and this huge organs playing and you're just like mm-hmm. for me i i would never have expected that movie to have a so much like giant organ mm-hmm. in it because giant organ doesn't usually scream space, space. to me exactly um but it just works so fantastically. And that's one of those movies that I'm so glad I saw in theaters just yep. because the vastness of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There was there was just something to that and the totality of all of the sound happening and yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's interesting that the music experience. that sound that does quote unquote sound kind of like space mm-hmm. isn't music that actually fits well for like if I would think kind of like electronic y and you know, that yeah. kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's space music. Weird sound But then think about, theremins. I mean, yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean, Star Wars, namely, but then also Star Trek, like, mm-hmm. it's just French horns galore. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, I actually, this is unrelated, but I mean, it's kind of related. I heard, uh, or I was watching an SNL video today that was kind of a mock on Star Trek and it started the, and it was, just the like main theme for a split second yeah and man that got me like i was like man Mm -hmm. i need to watch so much next generation again (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs) but yeah Yeah. those it's i mean they're space themes but they don't uh yeah somehow they they feel right but they're not like quote unquote space music and i i I think part of what makes this score not not a typical space themed score is a it's Hans Zimmer and yeah. going with mm-hmm. you know going with the director like Christopher Nolan obviously you're you're not going to get anything that's expected uh he has a great way of you know subverting his audience's expectations yeah. he does it in all of his movies and say what you will a, a lot of his movies do deserve the critique that they're given but when you see those movies in the theater for the first time they always do blow you away kind I mean, of a spectacle yeah, I should have watched that spectacle. one in theaters honestly I I kind of so Ashley and I just watched it at some point in our living room on when we were trying like looking for just like a fun sci-fi movie or whatever and that wasn't <laughs> it's quite not that. really that and yeah. so it was <laughs> kind of heavy <laughs> yeah I, like three quarters of the way through she was like I think I'm going to bed and I was yeah. like all right I'll keep watching it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah in retrospect it would have been great to watch it in a better scenario but. yeah and it, yeah I mean this movie in particular the third act does leave a little bit you know, to be desired. Yeah. I, I will say uh, it's not the strongest third act, but uh-huh. getting to that point, it, especially seeing it for the first time, was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, totally. it was it was it was very it was a good experience that you know you can have one time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, when a movie can do that, and when the score can elevate that experience, it's just a recipe for goodness. Totally. If uh, also, if you haven't seen it, Hans Zimmer has a DVD of some of his live shows that he mm-hmm. was doing where he was on tour and he had like a giant band. I think I mentioned watching that mm-hmm. DVD at one point on mm-hmm. this podcast because of the crazy guitar players that he had with him. <laughs> um, but they play some selections from Interstellar and just gosh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, and I think one thing that Hans Zimmer does very well is fill his scores with tension mm-hmm. um to accompany the the movies i mean think of the dark knight score yeah. you know that's mm-hmm. that's another score that's kind of built off one or two solid notes like that in the opening scene of the dark knight is just a creeping guitar that's mm-hmm. getting ever and there's always a some sort of clock presence in the back <laughs> of his scores too and interstellar does that a lot and especially in his latest film dunkirk the score uh, yeah. is almost all clocks uh, it's a very silent movie, and I mean because the the whole of Dunkirk is supposed to make you feel like 
it, it, the whole movie is counting down to this yeah. one event that's going to tie everything together. So the score is pretty much nothing but clocks and some ominous noises. But if you haven't checked that one out, check it out too. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and go next. Um, this one is a complete departure from <laughs> from Hans Zimmer and scores. This is more. I mean, it's it's a score, but it's uh, it, closer to soundtrack in some ways. Um, it's uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, so yeah. it's not it's not scored, not soundtrack. It's uh, the movie has very important, like music plays a big role in the story as well. And um, so, I mean, the main things about this movie are, uh, if you haven't seen it, you know, like music plays a big part, video games play a big part. Um, kind of like video game action yeah, plays a big part sort of comic book style yeah exactly yeah and so because it yeah exactly it's based after a comic book and uh so pulls a lot of those elements i'm gonna go ahead and play so just in case none of that was very clear like oh how do you like <laughs> movies with uh, video game stuff what that's crazy here's just the opening the universal theme Honestly, when I went to see this movie, mm. by the way, I had never seen a trailer for it. I didn't know oh, anything wow. about it at oh, all. that's the best. It was yeah. just, I was with somebody that it was, was like, hey. a delightful you, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you want to go see Scott Pilgrim versus the world? And I was like, I, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. So here, here's the intro. So that was what kicked off, and it's also you can look it up if you want, but the it's the universal logo, but very you know like eight bit bit, or whatever, Uh, sixteen bit or thirty two bit, something like that. Yeah, it's It's a bit. It's It's an amount of bits (laughs) and a small. Although isn't everything an amount of bits? I mean, yes, Mm. technically. Are we? But it's not like four (laughs) thousand square inches. uh, Whatever. I mean, I'd say a bit. (laughs) So that that was what you can leave. Uh, what well, kicked it off and so there's a, the main character is in a band throughout the movie and th- again throughout the movie there's like battle of the bands that their band is playing in so that plays a big role in it as well and uh, so it's a very like grunge music scene which is really fun and I- I'm going to play a, a second from that in a minute but um, but yeah so the video game thing kind of keeps on coming through and like the Legend of Zelda fairy theme that that one comes is in like a little dream sequence at one point in the scene that's really cool that keeps changing but it was all one <laughs> sad <Sorry. laughs> oh man i'm just accompanying you it's, it's fine <laughs> i love it um uh, it's it's this like you know one shot kind of scene that that's really neat and all that uh this is a movie that if you have the chance and if you have the dvd watch it with the like commentary thing on oh yeah have you guys watched it with? I them? don't know if I, I own it, the DVD, but I've never watched it with. The you commentary. should like make an event of it and do watch that because there's so much minutia that it'll just like tell hmm. you about oh, cool. where, um, like at one point, X's <laughs> are a thing in the movie. I won't go yes. into depth with that, but and uh, but there's one point where two of the characters are in a bus, and if you look out one of their windows, all of the lights are. Uh, you can like do a thing where lights become all a certain shape or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what that's called, but whatever. 
And on one person's side, it's all X's. Like all the lights in the background are X's, but it's really small and kind of faint. And on the other person's side, it's all hearts. And so it's like this just dichotomy of just Mm. all this really neat stuff. Um, But yeah, I'm going to play also this. It's the first song in the movie. It starts out really early and it's the title sequence as well. Uh, Their band is called Sex Mm -hmm. Bob-omb. And a Bob-omb is from Mario. And uh, yeah, so here's just a little bit of that song. And here we go. And if it sounds like kind of crackly or grungy or whatever, it's not your speakers going out. It's just the fact that it's just <laughs> that style. Yeah, exactly. And so on, on purpose. <laughs> So yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff throughout the movie and it just makes it really fun. So like most of the time when music is playing, uh, it either is something that's happening on screen where it's like a band playing it or whatever, or is like a lot of songs that are written specifically for the movie and are about it or whatever mm-hmm. too. Um, real quick, or some of the people... in some way. Exactly, yeah. Like there's a song called Ramona and then it comes back later but a little bit different and stuff mm-hmm. and the, the kind of love interest is named Ramona. Um, also, there's so many famous actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like at the time, they weren't all famous yeah. but now... Like Aubrey Plaza. Yep, Aubrey Plaza yeah. randomly, you know, uh, her, Chris Anna Evans. Kendrick, mm-hmm. Chris Evans, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Mae Whitman, Michael Sarah, obviously. Which one's the girl that was in Rested Development. She was uh, Mae Whitman. Whitman. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, can, I can never remember her. her name. Yeah. Her, Jason yeah. Schwartzman. Yeah. Really? Her? Egg? <laughs> Who? <laughs> oh man, Egg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just some of the people that were involved in the music writing part of it is uh, Neil Godrick, which I didn't know who he was, but I think he's a big producer guy. Whatever. Um, Beck. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Metric. Uh, broken yeah, Social yeah, yeah. Scene, Cornelius, who I'm not sure who yeah, that is. Yeah, there's actually a Broken Social Scene song in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they credit it as another band. Another... Did they really? Well, no, no, no. It's it's them, but like the band in the movie, yep. it's like their song. Uh, yeah, oh, Broken Social you. Scene wrote all the songs for the in the first battle of the bands, the band that's yeah. that plays the I'm so sad, so very, yeah. very sad. <laughs> they wrote all the songs for that band, um, whereas somebody... Wrote, uh, yep, and I'm actually about to play that one in a second. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is like inspired by music in the real world too, mm-hmm. which is fun. And part of like that scene. So yeah, the metric song is, this is the last song I'm going to play from this movie and we can talk about it a little bit more, but, um, it, there's again, battle of the bands and a girl, blah, 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 who's singing this song. And in the movie, it's actually Brie Larson who's playing mm-hmm. the girl who's singing it. Um, and also their bassist who yeah. is, uh, he played Superman, I think back in the other super, like the older Superman movie. Which is just funny. Um, wow, I just made that connection. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. I he, never that, thought about that. And he also is in um, the Flash. I think at, at the hmm. moment, I don't know if he's still Randy. in it, but yeah. as what? Superman? No, as um, do 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 do. He's some guy. He's like Cousin a Flash. robot kind of, <laughs> kind of an Iron Man sort of a dude who's like very rich and invents hmm. things and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so here's the song that. Um, it's metric on the recording, but it's just real good. So we'll play it real quick.
another fun fact for all you kids out there is that Emily Haynes of Metric actually toured with Broken Social Scene for quite a while. Well, that's she fun. sings on some of their stuff because Broken Social Scene is essentially just a super group yeah, of whoever right, they exactly. have on hand at the time. <laughs> that's um, really fun. But yeah, that's actually how I first found out about Metric mm-hmm. was from Broken Social Scene. Um, so the last thing that I'll say specifically about it is I, I didn't know this ahead of time really, but it makes sense. But all the people that are in the bands that are playing in the movies uh, actually learned their instruments for it. So Michael oh, Sarah yeah. already played bass, which is neat. Mm-hmm. So he just didn't have to learn. He just yeah. played it. <laughs> um, but young Neil, uh, what's her face playing drums and the guy singing. <laughs> I forgot all of their characters' names. But they all actually learned their instruments for the movie, which is like... Cool. cool, because Way that's the most annoying thing in movies to me. <laughs> oh, like, man. I, when it's I can't watch August Rush for the sole reason that I anytime it shows they didn't him make playing that it, kid learn guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially like, hey, learn to play like Practice Khaki King, harder. even though you're like, you know, ten or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anytime they show the kid actually playing, most of it fits his hands. It's actually Khaki King's hands because she's a five foot tall woman. <laughs> so like, I guess it'll work. But uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just so the the music for this movie it's it's a integral part of it. So I mean that's you know uh, obviously it's going to stand out. But they just did such a great job of getting the vibe right with it and getting everybody involved that needed mm-hmm. to be involved to make the movie what it needed to be based on you know subject matter and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Edgar Wright, super good movie. Edgar Wright knows his music. That's for sure. There's never any shortage of tremendous music in his movies. Um, he, uh, if you haven't seen Baby Driver, it's oh. basically a playlist. Like, point. I think yeah. the sole reason that movie was created was to have the music in there that's in there. Yeah, um, the rights mixtape to the world. Yep, pretty much. And I kind of felt like that's a, a lot of what what Scott Pilgrim was as well. I mean, you got songs by like Beck on there and yeah. T Rex and Metric and like a lot of really really great artists. Mm. And I, yeah, I mean, obviously they could have picked anything, but the music that's in there just fits it so well. Yeah. So no, always very good soundtracks coming out of Edgar Wright. Yeah. Also very, very clever things in all of his movies. Like there's such attention to detail and the scripts are so like tightly wound that there's very few, if no like plot holes in any of his movies, hmm. like everything matches up, everything comes together and yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> oh yeah. So that, <laughs> I mean, that's me why, that's happy. why a director like him puts out, you know, as few movies yeah. as they do is because yeah. they they spend a lot of time on every project that they do and yeah obviously he cared about Scott Pilgrim as a movie mm-hmm. and like yeah there was tremendous care put into every aspect of it yeah so. if if you enjoy anything about video games at all you also don't have to enjoy things about video games but that'll make this movie even the more better but if you for some reason haven't seen it yet that's definitely one to to just go and watch because it's mm. It's just so fun too, it and there's really so much. Movie. Like it's one of those. The more times you watch it, yeah. the more you're like, because there's Wait so many little details that exactly. are like edited into that movie. Even that yep. it's really easy to miss stuff in that. Yep. My favorite bit was there's like this one. Uh, again, it was one of the things that was in the commentary. But at some point, one of the characters like throws a box behind him and it lands in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the commentary thing, it's like we had to do this 33 times yeah. <laughs> and then in the deleted scenes or You'd whatever like there's the exactly there's a sh- you know a thing of every single time him missing 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 nice. and it's just so fun to watch yeah. so that's that's, that's all about that movie i'll yeah. bother to say 
My first one is a movie that I have, again, already talked about. The last two weeks, I have been unpacking what I said during our driving episode. (laughs) Um, And there's a reason, but I think this is probably the last one, because I think now I will have referenced all of my driving songs. Um, But I picked the movie Garden State, um, because its soundtrack preceded me seeing the movie by like a good couple of years. Um, and I listened to the soundtrack quite a bit and it's a really, it's kind of an eclectic soundtrack. It's not super all over the place cause it doesn't get into like metal or anything, but it, it, it's, it's, it's probably about 50, 50 for like people that I knew and people that I didn't know at all and had no name recognition for. Cause like starts with Coldplay and then you've got some of the shins <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's some Simon and Garfunkel on there and uh, I don't think. Well, yes. So I, I'm oh. getting into like uh, I'm trying to think oh, if there. No, I'm no, you're so good. Sorry. I'm no, getting I'm there. No, I'm so sorry. No, I, I, I'm trying to think if there were any <laughs> like everything. other really recognizable names to me. Like at, at that time period that I found the soundtrack mm-hmm. or the soundtrack was given to me. That I think those were really the only ones that I knew. I'm probably forgetting somebody, but. And then coming out of it, I knew of people like Iron and Wine and Fru Fru mm-hmm. or slash Image and Heap, really, um, and Nick Drake, and mm. just a, a lot yeah. of people that I had no recognition of at all. But I wanted to go ahead and play uh, Don't Panic, uh, which is the first song in the movie and on the soundtrack. Bones sinking like stones, all that we fall for. Places we've grown, all of us are done for. And we live in a beautiful world. Yeah, we do. So this soundtrack starts with that, and it's just this really good kind of intro into, and it's kind of an ironic thing. You know, this movie came out in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, early 2000s, early 2000s, 2001. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's old. Man, old. Was, I definitely didn't like watch it until Scrubs. 2005 or so. Yeah. I want to look, look that up. I'm sure. I disagree with you. Just one or two, but I'm pretty sure yeah, it's one. Yeah, something early-ish. Um, before three, probably. Anyway, uh, it, it's kind of an... 2004. Oh, man. Oh, man. Suck. I shouldn't have told you. Uh, anyway, but I did. <laughs> but now we know. Now it's out there and the world knows we know... So they yeah. don't have to correct us. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's kind of an ironic thing because it's like Coldplay songs talking about how beautiful the world is and all this stuff. And he's driving through L.A. traffic and going to a work at a Chinese restaurant and mm-hmm. getting gas. And like, and it's not a very like pretty thing, which I'm sure was intentional on his part. Because mm-hmm. Zach Braff also directed the movie and, and did pretty much a lot of stuff for it. Anyway, um, but just I knew the entire soundtrack before I ever saw the movie. And so seeing the movie finally after listening to the soundtrack for years and years and years, not years and years and years, like a few years, <laughs> um, it was it was so fun because every time they'd be doing something, it, the movie is really interesting. It's kind of, it's super dry. It's funny, but it's, it's really dry. It is so dry. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it in the last couple of months and it was like yeah this movie's pretty just kind of it can there. put you in a dark place yeah. like it can put you in a pretty somber mood. yeah mm-hmm. it can it can, it can leave you feeling a little weird you just kind of mm-hmm. have to take the like little moments of humor for what they are and just hold on to those yeah um, it's also one that i didn't realize like 
there were a bunch of scenes that I guess when I watched it with my sister, she'd seen the movie and skipped over them and that kind of oh. a thing. And oh. I watched it with like my girlfriend at the time <laughs> at her parents' house like and was like, ecstasy. Oh no. <laughs> oh, geez. oh no. Yeah. And I was, it was just like on my computer and I had it on one dot of volume because the F word happened fairly often. Oh, and yeah, I was just yeah. like, mm-hmm. uh, mute up. Uh, mute but always just <laughs> missed it like they would yeah. have just said it yeah. and then i muted it which yeah. is like <laughs> oh man yeah. yeah um but yeah so just like every time the characters would be doing some something and then this song would start to fade in or start it would be like oh yeah i know this song this is such mm. a good song for what's happening right now that's a great and stuff like that and uh I don't know. It's it's kind of like a fun treasure hunt now. Every time I listen to the soundtrack, thinking about like what part of the movie it's in. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's just it's a. I just have such strong feelings about so many of the songs on the soundtrack now after listening to it for so long. And and like the movie's good. I like the movie. But I think I like the soundtrack better. Would you uh, say that because of that soundtrack, you like that that opened your eyes to these artists? Like that it, was your first introduction. Uh, yeah, to no, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, Iron and Wine, Nick Drake, uh, Fru Fru slash Image and Heap. Like, I didn't know any of them before mm-hmm. I listened to the soundtrack, and I know all of them now. And and like, especially Iron and Wine and Nick Drake. Mm-hmm. And I don't listen to a ton of Image and Heap anymore, but mm-hmm. Fru Fru was really just the one album. Mm-hmm. But I, I only listen to them now because of that album and i would have heard about them at some other point anyways because like i mean iron and wine was covering a postal service song which that was the other kind of fun part about that is i knew the postal service beforehand i the funny part about that is i think i heard the postal service and iron and wine version really close to each other oh yeah and so my sister and i just for many months were like which one is the original and we were pretty (laughs) sure it was iron and wine which oh, wow, yeah. was not the case. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. I wonder, in retrospect, if uh, if you had seen the movie prior to and like enjoyed all those songs and all that kind of thing, if you would feel better. Not that you feel bad about the no. movie, mm-hmm. but if the movie and music would have tied in more together, and like uh, because of the good soundtrack, that you would, you know even like the movie more comparatively versus yeah. like, well, but that soundtrack was really good even before the movie. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Just curious. Yeah, it's just... I mean, there's I, no way the to know. That, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but I just got exposed to the soundtrack so much earlier yeah, than, totally. than the movie necessarily. Like, I legitimately had no idea what the movie was about when yeah. I mm-hmm. was listening to the soundtrack just because it was... My sister had it and... I listened to it a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> we listened to it all. I had was the cover, <laughs> and the, on the car drive to school, my sister played it all the time. Yeah. That one and thirteen going on thirty soundtrack, which is a quite oh, good soundtrack. Actually, kind of surprising. Um, I mean, it's just I a know bunch of like thriller is on it. Indeed, <laughs> it's a bunch of eighties throwback songs, um, and some other ones. But it's just, it's just a great mix mm-hmm. of songs. Thriller is actually the only one not on the soundtrack itself. Oh, bummer! Because Michael licensing. Jackson and all yes, that stuff. licensing. So of course, you know. But yeah, no, I, I think all the songs on the soundtrack are really well utilized in the movie, though, mm-hmm. and that's why I was actually going to kind of end on the the real last song in the movie, not counting the song that actually ends the credits, because that is the mm-hmm. one black spot on the soundtrack, I think, is the mm-hmm. very last song is this really odd, very country song. Like the credit song? Yeah, the credit mm-hmm. song. It's a uh, Winding Road by I Can't Remember Who. I, yeah. and, it, and it comes out of nowhere, and it's like, Oh, I c- really? I remember huh. listening to the soundtrack too and being like, where even is this song? Because on a DVD, like I'd only ever seen the DVD. And, yeah, and you stop so, it before yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> you don't watch it. I was like, 
what what in the world <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah no it was funny the first time i saw the movie because this frou-frou song started playing and then the credits start happening and i was like there's still a song left is there like more movie and then mm-hmm. the credits continued and that song started and i was like oh okay no yeah okay that's fine <laughs> but but i was gonna play a uh, uh, let go by frou-frou mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing how a certain movie can have a soundtrack that'll just completely like wake you up as far as all the crazy yeah. music that's out there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I I love when movies have eclectic soundtracks. I mean, yeah, they totally don't have to fit together to make this one cohesive thing. I think another director that's very good at picking soundtracks is uh, Richard Linklater, who directed movies like uh, School of Rock and oh, yeah. uh, the. Um, before Sunrise series, um, Boyhood, uh, like oh, Days and Confused. Days and Confused was my favorite movie for a long, long time because of the soundtrack. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I saw that movie when I was twelve, and that's what turned me on to classic rock. Because the whole, I mean, it's a movie. You know, it takes place in the last day of school in nineteen seventy six. So it's all classic rock. Yeah. It's you know Alice Cooper yeah. and like. I guess one know. of the reasons I don't feel like there's a lot of movies that do that, and that Garden State is an exception, mm-hmm. is the fact that most directors are fairly older than, like, a good bit older than I am, yeah. and also don't listen to the genres of music that I listen to. So even if they got together like a smashing cast of songs, <laughs> it mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be you know, songs that I care about. Um, it's either like already popular songs or ones that are in genres that like don't really apply to me very much. So that's what, I think why that's stuff like this is fun. Is when you have a movie that would otherwise be good, but it loads its soundtrack in songs of the day, like mm. the top 40 of the day that are popular at that time. I feel time. like 90s movies did that. Oh yeah, totally. A lot. And especially uh, even up until, I mean, maybe even now, I don't know, I don't go see them, but like romantic comedies, your general whatever Amy Schumer's latest movie is, you know, it's just got, <laughs> sorry. General Amy Schumer. <laughs> whatever Amy Schumer movie is out or whatever uh-huh. blah is out now, they, like directors or whoever is in charge of it, like there, there will always be like a composer, like music by blah. And it's yeah. like, like, I don't know if you guys knew this, Danny Elfman composed yep. oh, the yeah. score to all three Fifty Shades of Grey movies. <laughs> Yeah, quote uh, unquote composed. Which I think really those movies just, have like five seconds of actual score in them, right. and the rest is just bad, bad music picks of yeah. like these weird. No one's ever heard of them, but they're like overproduced, poppy, or people that people really music. have heard of, but it's just like they wrote some really sexy song for the movie or whatever. I guess I don't know. The only reason I know that is that Ashley will play like some Selena Gomez song, and it's like from the Fifty Shades Grey album. And I'm like, really? The unfortunate part about that is that 
a lot of artists that I was really into at the time all wrote music for the Twilight soundtracks. <laughs> yep. So every hey, now say and what you were about Twilight, man. They, like, there's oh, not man. some half bad songs on those. Yeah, soundtracks. no. I mean, Mumath, Death Cab. Yep. I mean, that's that's hitting like two of my top favorite artists. I mean, because <laughs> you know, being a, a indie band, essentially. It's free publicity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of movies that are going to be like, hey, uh, do you want to write music for our movie? Or can we use some of your music in our movie? Because mm. uh, most of the time, they just wouldn't have if it. Any anybody of note came to me and said, yep. can I use your music in my movie? Yes. I, yes, absolutely. 100%. I don't, I don't care, care what how, it's how, in. Yeah, put I it mean, in the next Fifty like... Shades movie. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Give it a cash movie. That would be a really weird choice to put in the next Fifty Shades movie. But uh, they wanted to do it. And they're going into the bedroom. One, two, three. Music by three guys. <laughs> uh, you guys want to take a break? Let's yeah, do that. Let's take a break. And we'll come back in. Uh, I've got a, a game, a quick game. A game. And then we've each got one more movie to talk game. about. We just in the break we just watched the video if I don't know what just look up like screaming ducks or something. It's the <laughs> just video. literally screaming ducks. It's it's a rubber duck yeah. that he squeezes one and it goes, and then he presses down a whole bin of them and it just sounds like, <laughs> like an army yelling of yelling ducks. people and it's so so oh, fantastic. It's, so it's really funny. Um, all right, we've got a game. Uh, this one's in movies. Uh, what's uh, what's a game? Well, so it's when you try real hard to win, but you don't because I win. How does um, one jam? Gummy nice. is is uh, is the right thing. Can can you teach me how to? Doggy? I will teach you how to game. I'll teach you how to this game right now. Right now, um, it's there. It's four different composers that I'm going to. I could have done this a couple different ways, I guess. Uh, you know, but it doesn't matter. Mm. I should have done it in retrospect. What could have gone longer than just the four questions if I had just used these four composers that are quite well known and then picked lesser known movies of theirs mm. and had you guess which one did which. I should have done it that way. Uh, um, but instead, but this we're is, here now. Yeah, but we're we're where <laughs> we're at. Okay. Um. So first, we're going to go with Hans Zimmer, and he wrote all of these scores except. One of one okay. of these scores. <laughs> All right, uh, and that's that's pretty much going to be the game of some variety of that. There's going to be okay. four. Um, so he wrote all these scores except uh, between Rain Man, Shawshank Redemption, The Last Samurai, As Good as It Gets. You can uh, he deliberate amongst yourselves if he you did desire. not write the score for Shawshank Redemption. I have no idea. <laughs> I am not a movie buff. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption is the answer. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound so disappointed was, about it. No, I was. I'm trying. Whatever. It doesn't Do matter. Do you know who did the uh, score? Danny Elfman. I don't. Oh, was it really? Because he's one of the other ones that I have on here. I should have like really checked because I wanted to pick I'm one. Seventy-five percent sure it's Danny. Elfman, I bet. I bet but, you're right. He he's done a lot of them. I'll actually I'll go to Danny Elfman next. I'll skip the okay. the one part of this. This is another except one in this case. Uh, Danny Elfman, composer of the theme of The Simpsons, which is what I best know him from, and lots mm-hmm. of Simpsons stuff, wrote these family movie scores, uh-huh. except mm-hmm. one of the following. 
uh, Spider-Man, Nacho Libre, and uh, the 2002 Spider-Man, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, Spider-Man, Nacho Libre, Lion King, Flubber. He did not write Lion, Lion King. King yeah. ah! That's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer you guys are too smart for this guy. Okay, the next two the are The only reason harder, I know I that actually is because in that DVD of Hans Zimmer, yeah. <laughs> he plays some of the Lion King yeah. soundtrack and brings out the guy who sang the like... <laughs> Yeah, that part. <laughs> that was great that we did that. Man, this is turning out way easier than I wish it would have. <laughs> um, okay, uh, John Williams wrote this 90s score. Groundhog Day. 10 Things I Hate About You. Home Alone. Home Alone. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> sorry. Man, <laughs> alive. Sorry. It's all right. Okay, last but not least, Howard Shore, writer, er, composer of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, wrote this 2010 PG-13 movie score. <sighs> Karate Kid, Easy A, Twilight Eclipse, Date Night. Do you want me to go through them again? The Karate Kid, it's the it's the one with, it's the reboot the one. new one. Yeah. yeah. So Karate Kid, Easy A, Twilight Eclipse, Date Night. I want to say it's either Date Night or Easy A. Uh, I actually don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing any of those. You stumped us there. Today. Look yeah. how smart I am. Yeah. Your three points are worth nothing in this game. <laughs> uh, place your guesses on whatever you care for. I'm going to say Easy A. Okay. I'm going to say Twilight. Ooh, Chad got it right. It was Twilight really? Eclipse. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. That was the uh, only wow. one that I was like, it might have been that one. Yeah. And then wow. you said that thing. And, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, uh, Owen Wilson. So yep. there's this commercial on Hulu right now where Woody Harrelson has a new movie with Owen Wilson and uh, Woody Nelson. Woody Nelson. Uh, like Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson, thank you. <laughs> Holy cow. Hawk I, Nelson? Hawk <laughs> Nelson, probably. I think I got Woody Harrelson in my head and could not yeah. get the like, W name Woody out. Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. He, but he ha- so he has this commercial, and it's just, the beginning of it is just Woody Harrelson speaking, but he says, come check out this new movie starring me, Owen Wilson, and Willie Nelson, and for the first several times, I was like, "Oh, that's a funny joke that he's saying," because he's like, "It's like he's Owen Wilson." Yeah. And then, really, and then like a couple scenes later, it shows Owen Wilson. And it's like, "Oh no, he just has bad grammar," because <laughs> correctly, it would be starring Owen Wilson, Willie Nelson, and I. Uh, actually, no, me. it wouldn't be. It would be me. Would, would it be still me? be me? Yeah, because yeah. it's the object. Yeah, so if you take the easiest way to... There's a lot of songs that do this where they'll say I because they are overcorrecting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you take out all the other people and just put me by itself, starring me, then that would be correct. But if you said, check out this movie, starring I. Yeah. So be you, like, you are correct to list the other people first. Yeah, I, I, oh, so it's only if you're like... Doing an action in the yes. sentence. If you're the so subject if you're saying, of the like, sentence, she and I one. are going to the exactly. Yes. Yeah, yep. that makes more sense. Hi, uh, welcome to English Corner. <laughs> Still, he should not have put himself first. I right. think no. because it made it sound like he was saying, "Me, I am Owen Wilson." Yeah, sorry, me. Oh, yeah. Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> he's both. He's uh, me. <laughs> Owen Wilson <laughs> and like, Woody Nelson. Uh, me, myself, and I. Reen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, myself, and I. Reen. How that good was, good. was that, that was movie? Good. I never saw it. I, don't I have know. no idea. <laughs> Maybe good. I don't know. Uh, well, after that, a little bit short-sighted game. Um... <laughs> And short-lived Matt's game. too good with yeah, movies. I, I, tried, didn't get, I didn't get Twilight. You're I had right. no idea. I, I tried to go for ones that I were a little, a little bit, bit more 
a little bit uh, more subtle or whatever, but I did a bad job. But that's okay. No, Let's get back good. into movies and what they sound like. Mama, mama, movies. Uh, you're talking about Mama Mia and how you love the score of Mama Mia. Yeah, because it's ABBA, dude. <laughs> Who doesn't love ABBA? <laughs> Literally nobody uh, does. Have you guys love seen the ABBA. trailer for the new one? Yeah. It looks. Like the first Bad. one, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I never saw the first one. <laughs> all uh, right. Well, Matt, what's your uh, what's your second and last? Yeah, uh, my second one. I well, well, first of all, I guess I'll go through some honorable mentions. Sure. Uh, like I it. said yeah, at the, at the top of the episode, I I love movie scores. Mama uh, Mia. Uh, these are something I almost <laughs> went Batman with. Batman Forever. Batman Forever was on there. Really? It really hey, was. Look at this guy. Uh, I I do love the like the first. Three or four Batman movies. I, I really do appreciate the scores. Danny Elfman composed the original theme uh, to the 1989 Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson Batman. Danny Elfman has done a ton yes. of Tim Burton stuff. Like looking at his, oh, yeah. it was like all this They're Tim like Burton best stuff. Buds. There's, there's yeah. only like did one movie that Christmas. he did not do with Tim Burton's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he did Big Fish. Again, that's just Big Fish. And wait, then cry t- like Big a baby. Fish is Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, it's so happy for a Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, relatively happy. But like, y'all so see the Dumbo bright. trailer. Oh my goodness! It looks it, good. It looks like Big Fish Part Two. Kind it of. It looks like it's gonna make your <laughs> Danny eyes Danny DeVito water. is playing yeah. the circus guy again. Like the, his same exact character that he played in Big Fish. He's playing that character again. Yeah. Uh, Danny okay. DeVito is nobody roles but Frank. Have he, yeah. Has have he? Hmm. Uh huh. Few job. roles have Danny DeVito been so suited for as a circus ringleader. Yeah. <laughs> And I say that adoring Danny DeVito, but... <laughs> yes, he's tremendous. He is a gift to this world. And the one guy in that Friends episode. Go on. <laughs> uh, I almost picked another, a couple Danny Elfman ones. I almost went with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was probably my favorite shake, movie shake, as a kid shake, growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that opening score is just so fun and like whimsical. Danny Elfman's music is just like whimsical. It's all like... It's, it's usually <laughs> placed... In, like it's all happy music, but it's put in... Tim Burton movies are like yeah yeah. Yeah. it's always got like this tone of like eeriness or like unsettling to it well like the Simpsons theme is in the Phrygian mode or something yeah Yeah. I knew it's it wasn't in like Aeolian or Ionian or something yeah so and he does that a lot in his music uh, which is very smart like Mm -hmm. he's a he's a tremendous composer but uh, I almost went with Beetlejuice I could have picked Pirates of the Caribbean another Mm -hmm. Hans Zimmer score that's absolutely incredible Um, another one of those that's just instantly recognizable and Mm -hmm. you're like oh yeah now we're in pirate world Welcome to Pirate World, everybody, <laughs> with Johnny Depp. Uh, he just needs to quit. Uh, I almost picked But he up- keeps making money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen him lately? He looks I mean, like his mom or something. I don't know. He looks smoked, like his mom. He smoked too many cigarettes. I don't know. He's He looks like an old woman. He's actually adopted, and his mom is... Is this true? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say she was like, looks really different. Maybe but he's just, just actually turning into Keith Richards. Slowly, but surely. Yeah. I think Keith Richards is better looking than Johnny Depp at this point, and he's like a hundred. Still, just amazing to me that that guy's still alive. Yeah, <laughs> snorted his dad's ashes. <laughs> uh, uh, I almost picked the Napoleon Dynamite soundtrack. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, mm, that that movie is just—it's got the simplest, most fun, happy music I've ever heard in a movie. 100%. Uh, and it, not to mention the opening credits of that movie are some of the best ever like with yep. the white stripes playing in the background and just the food and all the stuff written on the food made me so hungry when i first saw it <laughs> uh tremendous movie oh brother where art thou another yeah. uh-huh. super honorable mention 
uh, yeah, any of Danny Elfman's Batman scores. Anything by Wes Anderson. I know he's kind of overplayed at this point, and he's a very stylistic director, but I love Wes Anderson's scores. Uh, another very like whimsical music pick, normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he picks a lot of Kinks music which great classic rock band they deserve to be in like with the rest of the british invasion guys like the beatles and the stones but they were banned from america so unfortunately they're mm-hmm. not but the kinks are amazing they're better than the stones fight me uh <laughs> i almost picked alan silvestri's scores from back to the future and forrest gump yeah uh, worked with robert zemeckis a lot uh but again my last score i decided to go the best route possible and pick the harry potter scores yeah um, yeah i mean yeah i I know I said a lot about John Williams up front. I love John Williams. He's tremendous. And I think the just probably like all of us, that movie came out at the perfect time in our lives. I mean, we were right there with the characters. We were the exact yeah. age. And we grew yeah. up with those books and those movies. Um, of course, you know, like one of my requirements before going to see any of the movies was I had to read the books. Mm-hmm. So like for the first little bit, like up until probably book four, I didn't really want to read the books, but I had to before I went to all the movies. Um, and, uh, had to from your parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. They're like, well, you know, you're going to have to read cause I didn't really like reading anything. Um, my fourth grade teacher read us the first book and then my parents were like, okay, well we'll buy you books two and three and then you can go see the movie. Cause the first three books were out by the time yeah. the mm-hmm. first movie came out. And so I finally went and saw the first movie, and of course, like from the opening scene, I was just completely taken by that music. I was like, "Man, this is some good stuff!" Like, and it there there is not a better fitting score than the Harry Potter soundtrack. Mm. But the the main thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that, uh, and a lot of people may or may not know this, John Williams composed the music to the first three films, and then he retired from them uh Hmm. he kind of took a hiatus from composing music for a couple years after that and the first three films have amazing soundtracks obviously that's where all of the recognizable music from harry potter comes in and then for the last five movies uh they had different composers come in for each one uh Hmm. so the fourth movie was alexander duplass uh, who's another pretty well-known composer. And then, uh, yeah, the fifth, sixth, and seventh movies all had three more composers. Um, I think the same guy stuck with seven and eight. Uh, but I wanted to talk specifically about the fact that uh, I, I never liked that when I was watching the movies. Or like, you know, when the movies were coming out, I was like, man, it kind of stinks that John Williams is not a part of it anymore because he was just so good in writing that. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that that was totally a necessary thing to happen because the music in those movies matured just as much as the hmm. movies themselves did. And I think that if we would have gotten Half-Blood Prince with bum, 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 it would have been like enough at that point. Yeah, and yeah. we, you know, starting from, yeah, pretty much movie four to eight, you don't get any of those themes anymore. Hmm. None of those late motifs hmm. uh, reappear at all in those movies. I mean, go back and watch them. I'm not lying. Like, yeah, they, it's it's all new music. Not even, like, hints of them here and there. Every now and then, you'll get a little hint. Like, the some of the same musical instruments are used. Uh, as, starting from the fourth movie, um, the use of percussion is put away a lot. Like, uh, the xylophones go away. Uh, the glockenspiel is not used anymore we get a lot more uh like swelling strings uh particularly in four and five uh they're highly built on like like violins and violas high strings and and there's a lot of beautiful melodies in there but the one that i wanted to talk about specifically was uh nicholas hooper's score for uh the half-blood prince 
And uh, part of the reason I picked this one in particular is because it's my favorite score. I like it better than the majority of John Williams stuff, honestly. I, you know, I when when I'm at work, sometimes I'll put on movie scores and, and this one will pop up and my wife does the exact same thing. Uh, she actually walked down the aisle to one of the songs mm. uh, at our wedding from from this score and she had her her bridesmaids walk down the aisle to the song that you're about to hear. And uh, this is this is from a particular scene, but it's it just it I think this perfectly exemplifies how mature the music got uh, as the movies you know got more mature and everyone got older. And I, I, I think that's that's such a great sign of like a great series over eight movies. It's not easy mm-hmm. to keep yeah. eight movies like consistently good. And they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everyone involved just got better. All the actors got better. I think the directors were the right picks. I don't think any of the movies hold up to the standard of the books. I don't think any of the movies are as good as any of the books. But nope. the movies are tremendous. <laughs> they really are in their own right. And mm-hmm. if you look at them from a purely film standpoint... They are very, very well done, uh, especially the third film yeah, and the, the sixth one. film in the franchise. The third mm-hmm. one, in particular, is like a big shift yes. for me in those movies, it, particularly tone wise, but mm-hmm. also just in like cinematic. And quality. yeah, the the tone gets dramatically darker, and it continues to get darker as the movies progress, uh, starting in, in number three. Um, but the score also gets tremendously darker. Now there there are bits, especially towards the beginning of the movie, that are way more fun and out there than anything that john williams composed in the first two uh but you could kind of tell even listening to that music from movie number three that it was it was starting to get played out Mm. from john williams and that you know at the time nobody would have said oh no no more john williams (laughs) but looking back now it's like they they it just ended up happening that way and i thought Mm. it was it was the best way that it could have so yeah we're gonna play this little bit from uh movie number six Yeah, it, it, the the great thing about every piece of music composed for these movies is that everything instantly puts you in that world, in that universe. Yeah. Uh, just listening to the 30 seconds of that, I feel like I'm in the mm-hmm. halls of Hogwarts, you know, <laughs> like that there's magic all around me and stuff. And it, it, it's amazing how the, the conductors of, of, you know, these these movies were able to consistently keep that going. And as the as the movies progress, like this is number six, that that music is kind of minimalistic. I mean, there's some swells every now and then, but you know, we heavily rely on flutes, harps, and violins, mm-hmm. and it stays that way. And as you get into, especially films seven and eight, the music gets so much sparser. Like, if you watch movie seven, there's almost no music in it at all. There are long periods of silence mm-hmm. or just drony, like long notes held out. And I thought that that was the best decision that they could have made yeah. with those scores. And they, they get progressively more sad and somber as well. Like a lot more shifts to minor and just a lot less instrumentation and, and late motifs. Yeah. Uh, but it it just works so well. Yeah. In, in the end of that one, that bit too had a, it, it went, it, it, yeah, exactly. Which is just the inverted yes. 
motif of and again yeah you get those little hints of that but it never does fully come back until the you know the last a couple scenes in the last film yeah which i think is a really good way of doing that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. so who is harry porter he's a fellow from worcestershire ah like Worcestershire the, like, cat like the sauce uh, uh, uh-huh. Worc- Worcestershire he's from the Worcestershire cat in Alice in Wonderland oh wow uh, oh born <laughs> born and raised born and raised from That's that invisible just on kitty. the other side of Narnia right yeah yeah yes okay uh, cool. several miles west so keeping with yeah. our mythical theme, uh-huh. uh, I I just had to pick the Lord of the Rings. Um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. The only reason I didn't pick it is because I had pretty it. much <laughs> already claimed it. Um, now, so Howard Shore directed the or uh, composed and I guess directed this. Um, it was for the movies, and it's cool. That's it. See y'all. That's it. That's all um, I have to talk about. No, so this this. Uh, soundtrack slash score really encompasses the late motif idea. There is, they, he he will he picked some like late motifs to do in the beginning of Fellowship that he just kind of stuck with for the entire time. And actually, like if as far as late motifs go, th- I think this holds the record for the like a movie franchise with the most amount of late motifs because mm-hmm. it's got like eighty five to one hundred and ten of them. Different ones, uh, different ones, because yeah. they encompass everything yeah. in the world. Like he wrote late motifs for everything, like every person, every culture, like Man. people group, place. Everything has a late motif yeah. mm-hmm. that would get pulled in somehow uh, when you get these like sweeping shots of places. And so there's just a ton of them, and it's. It's it's really um he did such a good job of like making the soundscapes kind of feel like what you're looking at or who you're talking about or something and like say what you will about the Peter Jackson adaptations of those books. The score is fantastic. <laughs> uh, it, it's just absolutely lovely. I'll say what I will. They're the greatest films of our generation. <laughs> they are definitely the most epic films mm. of our generation, at least in some part. I totally. I love the books so much. <laughs> and, and and there's just some like stylistic choices that I don't necessarily love about the Peter Jackson adaptations. The Hobbit, however. Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about no, it. That's, uh, that's top notch. I don't know. I mean, his that's, earlier no. stuff pales in comparison. That and King Kong. Man, King Kong is... Uh, I'm just kidding. Hell of a I, King Kong was pretty all right. It I was. Mean, here's I what I'll say about it. Long. Yes, it was Way the first long. hour and a half was a great movie. The <laughs> second hour and a half was a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, They just tacked on a whole additional movie. Yep. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Stop it. And when I, I saw it in theaters, it was in Belgium where we you can choose to see movies in English or in French, and which is or now, yeah, most of the time, the English ones would have Dutch or French subtitles, and the French oh, ones would just gosh. be in French. Mm-hmm. And um, we went and saw it in English, and somehow, I don't even know how this works, but it kept switching between the English and French audio, and sometimes it would just cut out entirely. Oh, <laughs> oh So, I'd already seen it once properly with my family, and then mm-hmm. saw it with my friend James, and that was this situation. So, like, randomly in the middle of it of a sentence, it would just flip to French, and then that's flip to silence, and then back to English, and then French, and then French, and then English. But how? What? Yeah. I, that's what Did I have they zero you? clue. That's horrible. If that happened to me during a movie, I'd be like, "Well, <laughs> I want my money back. I paid money to be here, and yeah. this is not good." Man, it was it was a time, all right. Oh man, but yeah. But um, let's go. We're gonna go ahead and listen to it. But I'm gonna preface this by saying this has two major themes in it. I, I went for like the just the top of the score on not the very top of the score for Fellowship of the Ring, but 
just after it. So the movie starts, you know, kind of with this sweeping narration about the history of the ring and some different stuff. And you get some different hints of like Galadriel's uh, leitmotif and some like elvish sort of things and some history of Middle Earth. And then it transitions into Bilbo narrating. And when it switches to Bilbo narrating, it switches to the Shire theme, which is just this cute little melody that's just really nice and super sweet and just so homey. And it just makes you feel like you're in a gardening kind of place. this like idyllic gardening farming town. And it's just lovely. But then you also get the like main fellowship theme. It teases that theme here to kind of show you like, this is what we're heading towards. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to listen to now. say this uh, speak uh, speaking of just that little like bit that you hear a hobbit yeah. saying like it's all in the books like, oh no he wrote all that yeah. oh no he and wrote he, he so wrote many that, songs like those music for yeah. the, i mean if you read the books really? they, there are mm-hmm. a lot of songs like yep. you don't get music you don't get like notated there's music or anything. Oh, oh, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of poetry yes yeah. yeah. that's supposed um, and that's always interesting like so my mom read me the hobbit and some of the lord of the rings stuff mm-hmm. and then i listened to lord of the rings book on tape and stuff and also the hobbit it's so interesting how the songs, like my mom, also a music teacher and a singer, she just make up the tunes for yeah. the songs because yeah. they're just in the book. So she'd be like, walking down the road, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and just, and so to me, like, that's the correct song oh, for this yeah. thing. So I'd hear it in another context and be like, what, what are they doing? They it is a really wrong. interesting choice. Like if you were going to narrate a book or do like a, an audio book, would you sing those songs? Because Seamus is listening to the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. right now, and he is lamenting the fact that the person who is reading it sings all of the songs. Yeah. And he kind of, like, I'm kind of with him. Like, when I read those, I don't try to necessarily, like, imagine a melody for it. Cause I mm-hmm. textually, like, those poems slash songs are usually written to, like, give you a, a, a glimpse into the depth of the world yeah, that Tolkien right. created, the culture, the culture, or like some story that is probably going to be referenced at some point, not in like a major plot point, yeah. but they're going to say something like offhand that if you remember this story about Baron and Luthien, like uh-huh. you'll be better off later in the story because you remember this. Eh. I think so it depends it on the production <laughs> to some degree too. Like if it's cause there's some books on tape or books on CD or audio books or whatever that are like dramatic readings where it's a different actor does yeah. play each of the things. And in those there's actually music behind it. Yeah. Like I uh, listen to some of the, um, Chronicles of Narnia in that setting and those it would totally make sense in context to have the bit be sung or whatever mm-hmm. but when um, it's just your but it, when it's book. just one person in especially in audiobook form maybe not as yeah. reading to my kid 100% every time oh, yeah. I would do it well but, yeah I mean that's kind of a different thing still but yeah, yeah. I, I, 
he your kid said can that, also be like, like please yeah. don't do that anymore and you can be like oh, i won't do that yeah, i think audiobooks are also like uh they're they're their own form of media yeah. Yeah. i mean True. it's not the same as reading and you're not going to agree with all the choices that the True. narrator decides to yeah. make i'm happy enough if i'm reading or if i'm listening to an audiobook especially the size of something like lord of the rings i'm happy enough if i don't get just annoyed by the reader's voice after an hour yeah Yeah, there's an oh my goodness i my senior year i drove to and from school with a friend of ours who was also a teacher at my school and we were listening to a book on tape and i don't remember what it was at all (laughs) but i think it was brendan fraser somebody that was reading it or somebody that sounded a lot like brendan fraser Mm. and he mostly was fine for most of the time but one of the characters he decided had a scottish accent and he did a bad job (laughs) (laughs) and i could not and like especially i'm i'm very sensitive to accents not necessarily for any good reasons besides just like having been around people with a lot of them Uh um and I like to try to do them, although I'm, you know, not fantastic at most of them. But, um, but his, yeah, it was, it was like almost good, but not quite, mm-hmm. which is maybe worse because it's not quite laughable. It's more just a little painful. It's like you just didn't do that well. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, so the the last half of the theme that we just listened to, the. <laughs> so that's like the <laughs> yeah thank you thank you i know you're all applauding at home uh that is like the main theme for not just the movie the fellowship of the ring but specifically the fellowship of the ring it teases that theme right there at the beginning of the movie and it doesn't reference it references it very briefly when frodo and uh sam are about to leave the shire they're like literally like on the border leaving the Shire, they play a a short little like bittersweet section of the Shire theme and it fades into the fellowship theme kind of signifying like this is where it's starting really. And then you don't really hear much of it again until they meet Strider and you get a little bit of it then, but it's a lot darker and it's a little bit more pulsating and it kind of like push because they're, they're hurrying. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get Mm -hmm. to to Rivendell and they're trying to move forward. And so it it sort of gives it more percussion and there's more of a pulse to it. And so it's trying kind of like pushing you forward to Rivendell. And then you don't actually get the full orchestrated theme until the end of the council of Elrond. When Elrond looks at them and says Mm -hmm. nine, you know, nine companions, companions. the Mm -hmm. fellowship of the ring and this like huge sweeping thing happens. And then you get these shots of them, like traversing the wilderness and like running Mm. over hills and stuff. And, and there's just this huge, like, how about about when you're watching the extended editions though? And like, that's the cutoff scene is right after they announce it. And little Pippin's like, put in disc two. Where are we going? (laughs) And then it just cuts off. (laughs) That's the best like cut Uh, ever. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, and then you gotta put in disc two, and it's like, ah, oh, now I gotta stand up. <laughs> yeah, great. But even to like continue that theme, uh, that that theme in particular, it gets really full right there, and and those you know those shots where you see the whole company, and then they go into the mines of Moria, and you hear it briefly, and then it gets overtaken by the orcs, the orcs mm-hmm. theme, the uh, which is like a five four kind of thing, and then uh, and then really like minor spoilers if you've never watched those movies or read that book once Gandalf dies you don't hear the full theme ever again you will hear it maybe like one instrument or two instruments will reference it but you never hear the full like sweeping orchestration of it 
until the end of the third movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it never comes back, and it's and it's to signify like right here the fellowship broke, and it's never gonna get back to that point. It's mm-hmm. never gonna be the same. And it's just, that's just amazing to me. If you want, like, to see pictures and examples of all this, there's a YouTuber named Nerdwriter who does videos, and he, mm. like, critically looks at movies and some mm. music stuff. That's cool. He has a really good mo- yeah, a really good video. It's, like, a seven-minute video about that specifically oh, yeah, that ba- pretty much just recaps what I just said, mm. but with, like, song examples and, like, shots of the movie, and it's super good. He's got one about um, the third Harry Potter movie mm-hmm. that's super good and why yep. that movie's so good mm. and why it's shot so well and why it works. Um, just a really interesting guy. I think I he really, also has one on Inside Out. He's got one on uh, Bony Bear's Holocene as well oh, and nice. kind of like the meanings behind that. He, he's just got a lot of really, really interesting videos. Mm. Um, just really critically looking at, mm-hmm. at media and it's super interesting. Yeah, I, I think the just the pure cleverness of Howard Shore to that's what I was talking about earlier is when composers of the score really analyze these movies mm-hmm. and take a close look at them. And it also helps to, to know that, you know, those movies were all filmed as one movie. It was, yeah. they were all filmed at the same time. So he could have looked back and I'm sure he did and, and watched it all in one sitting or, or very yeah. close to one another and based his score off of that. Yeah. So he, he did watch like a, uh, I, I, there was a name for it and I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was like full cuts of like them acting or something, mm-hmm. but kind of like a reading. Like yeah. they had like these readings or, you know, short storyboards or something like yeah. that for all three of the movies. And he watched all of those mm-hmm. and so had a full picture of everything that was happening and mm-hmm. then composed the script or composed the score to that mm-hmm. rather than just like in a vacuum. Like, yeah. Some, sometimes I know, um, ah, crap, one of those space movies. No, I think I think it was for Interstellar actually that uh, Christopher Nolan told him to write a write a, a score that was telling a story of like a father and a son. It didn't tell him it had anything to yes. do with space. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's what he came back with, and it was like, all right, that's here it is. Yeah, and it it still fits really well, but yeah, it's just really. Speaking interesting. of Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer and him telling him to do things about things, <laughs> my next one, and which is the last one, is. Uh, Inception. Also speaking of, so it's it's fun. Um, I picked this one more for I think just some interesting things that it does, as well as being fairly like it 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 started some tropes, (laughs) especially like you know big bass drops like those already already kind of happened, but the those kinds of things. Mass Effect Three, yeah, borrowed that heavily. So I I don't know if you guys have had the same experience. Mm -hmm. This is this might sound weird. Uh, It wasn't too long ago that I sat down and watched Inception again, like for the fifth or sixth time yeah. whatever uh we decided to play a drinking game with it <laughs> and basically one of the rules was that you have to take a drink every time you hear uh-huh. how drunk N- did you get not, not drunk at oh, all really? oh. that doesn't happen anywhere in the movie that solid bass drop of like from nothing to boom never happens in the movie so, there are parts of the yeah. score that do that but never once does it just cold come in like that uh-huh which I thought it was strange. I was yeah. fully expecting because that that's to what the trailers lot. showed was yeah. like shot, and that's like a big uh-huh. trailer thing. So yeah. a lot of honestly, what we kind of remember from it is, and I, I took these specific clips from uh, there's a YouTube video that um, that does this. 
uh, or that shows this kind of eloquently. So I just took it from that. But essentially, it's it's just the pieces from the movie. Uh, but I just borrowed from that one YouTube video. Um, so a, a couple things, yeah. So Hans Zimmer was actually asked to write the score at this, or uh, yeah, at the same time as Christopher Nolan was writing the movie. So he didn't mm. know a ton about it. Um, and to him, it's interesting. I got most of this information just off the Wikipedia from it. Um, as far as Hans Zimmer's concerned, it's a very electronic score, which huh. he does a lot of electronic stuff in his scores. It, actually. True. But I just, that's not what I think of, you yeah, know, no, like that's, that's totally the interesting fair. thing is like, I'm sure he's right, but like, that's not where my brain goes with it. Um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. But the, the thing that I wanted to highlight in here is you've probably heard this pointed out at some point before, but one of the themes is uh, so every time they go into a dream, time is slowed down. Uh, this might already start to sound familiar, but I've never seen the movie. You really? Mm-mm. Oh, oh interesting. I, I don't worry. I like. No, I don't yeah, care about spoilers or anything. So you're good. Doesn't I, I, I understand that at this point in time, yep. it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I won't spoil anything anyway. Uh, but so every time they, they dream go, and dream and dream. Yeah, it's <laughs> a dream inside a dream, dream, dream inside a dream inside a dream. Yeah. Pretty much is that they shove a the dream idea. up its own butt. And every but time did the spinning top fall. Ooh, Anyways. curious. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's good. So. So every time you go inside a dream, the idea is that time slows down by, you you know, if you've got five seconds to do something in the real world, that'll turn into like uh, 20 minutes or whatever. Some, Mm -hmm. there's some dream time. Yeah, some scale exactly in the dream. And there's one piece, especially that's supposed to, that's a piece of music that's supposed to be like an important thing that is, uh, I think the time when somebody wakes up or is supposed to wake somebody up or something like, I can't mm. quite remember exactly, mm-hmm. but the piece is, uh, it's by, uh, Eddie Piaf and it's non, je ne regrette rien. Uh, yep. Except for it autocorrected <laughs> me. Declare you mm. yeah, something like that. Faces. So, so, <laughs> and Christopher N- <laughs> so Christopher Nolan was going to have that in the movie just as a thing. Yeah. Uh, this is just an aside that I thought was interesting. And he almost took it out because uh, Marion Clotillard, uh, which is the girl who plays like the main girl or whatever, mm. uh, she was just hired and had just played um pilaf in la vie en rose really which is, so yeah she just played the person in that so they were like well we're not gonna do that anymore and huh. and hans zimmer was like no 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 i got an idea with this so here's that song uh or part of that song as it's uh played in the movie and i'll just play it real quick So, mm-hmm. yep, it's just kind of, you know, being played old, on a record player. Old-timey strings. Yep, and it, it fits in the movie so well. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but this is somebody just took that exact part and slowed it down by like half or so, and it sounds like this. Okay, so that was kind of long, but um, so uh, again, yeah, Matt said, oh, I see where this is going, mm-hmm. and it's, so in the movie, that's playing in real time ab- above the dream or whatever at one point, um, and then, well, it's, I think, one layer inside the dream, and yeah. then the next layer inside the dream, um, yeah, is playing 
or you know the original the song. song is supposed to like exactly yeah. Or, yeah and so they hear that they're wearing headphones in the real world or something and they're supposed to hear that and be like oh it's time to get out of this dream mm-hmm. and blah 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 and so yeah the actual music in the movie uh is sounds like this Which, I mean, is essentially just, you know, it's it's that same part, but composed better. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just sounding like... Well, just composed more specifically exactly. rather than just like the artifacts of slowing something down. Exactly. Yeah. So it's... Uh, and he also took some inspiration from... He read some book or something about um, math and music and that kind of thing and used some things about that. So I think there's some elements of that as well where he did a good job of taking themes from the movie and using those as, you know, musical elements as well and kind of uh, sort of like um, text painting, but of yeah. you know, different sorts of things uh, in a grander scale, I guess. So, yeah, that's one of those movies. It's like I wouldn't listen to any of the songs from that movie outside of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not a standalone score by any means, yep. at least as far as I'm concerned. But it does a great job of kind of giving... Playing along with the themes of the movie. Right, yeah. exactly, and kind of making the stuff that's happening feel more, mm-hmm. you know, real or and grandiose. I, think that's, that, I also think that's very interesting because until just now, I never realized that, but I have made sort of a subconscious hmm. connection when watching that movie before, like when, you know, they're playing that song in, in real time, the, the actual song, and then they have that composition, just like they're playing them merged together, I always thought in the back of my mind, there's something hmm. strange about that, yeah. and it it fits. A, and maybe I thought like that was just a random song choice that they wanted to put in there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, looking back now, it's incredibly obvious to be like, oh yeah, they just <laughs> slowed down that French lady song. I'm not going to try and repeat song. her name. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's very very clever. Um, it's good on you. And that's the kind of things I just love things i mean we've talked about it before but like drum beats where there's some math parts in it that are just intelligent it's like oh that's easy it makes sense it's on the one and then on the two and then on the three and then the four uh, yeah. but it just sounds cool too mm-hmm. so you don't think about the fact that it just is a kind yeah. of dumb mathy thing yeah. um yeah it's just yeah, really if you cool. can take something like that like because i i always liked the idea of like i sat down into the 12 tone row so i'm only playing you know I, I'm not repeating any notes in the 12 tone scale, but I'm playing all of them in the yeah. set amount of time. But if you can make Do that sound, yeah, if you can make that sound not like hot garbage, right? Then it's like <laughs> cool. That's really neat. But most of the time, it sounds like hot garbage. Yeah, 100%. yeah. So, but that's how I write all my songs. You just you just sitting in your you just, just have like posters of 12 tone yeah. rows all hey, over. Hey, uh, everybody, make sure to check out Matt's new band, Hot Garbage. <laughs> It's got garbage and it's hot. We're it a, is hot. hot we're just rich. a cover band of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. just do garbage songs. You know oh, that man. pop band from the nineties. Courtney Love was she in Garbage? I don't uh, think so. Who was? Wasn't it somebody Courtney famous? Cox. <laughs> Courtney Fox. <laughs> Courtney Cox. <laughs> Courtney definitely Cox. is. Wasn't there some celebrity that was in Garbage? I don't have any I've idea. Never heard of that movie. Man. Uh, well, that's about. It's a band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I never heard of that band. Is is that it? Is there any th- other thoughts uh, I, while we find the answer to I'll the I'll point out that we talked garbage? all about movies and 
we're about the length of a like blockbuster movie right now. Hey. Time, which is Guys, just if funny. you listen to this podcast while watching The Wizard of Oz, it's crazy how many times it syncs up. It's crazy how many times we talk over each other. <laughs> Correct. Uh, oh boy. All the time. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, cool. Chad. Yeah. Garbage? Celebrities? No, I, I, I'm i trying to think of who I'm thinking about. I'll figure it out later. Guys. Next week. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us. As always, uh, we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all the big ones. You can find us at Joyous Eclectic. That's eclectic, you know, like the word. Like the one we use fairly <laughs> often tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did use that quite a bit mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, you can find us on all of those. We we try and be pretty active. Uh, we we really want to hear from you guys. If you have anything, any thoughts on the show, or if you just want to talk about like your own music, your own mm-hmm. things that you enjoy, get at us. Uh, we'll put them on the show, or we'll just talk to you about them. Um, yeah, we're always looking for bands to talk about. Uh, so if you're in a local band or just any sort of media project at all, really, like we, we don't mind promoting you just talking about you uh we like you and we hope you guys like us uh, as always thank you for listening you can find us on itunes oh and happy fourth of the... july yeah happy america day happy birthday i mean Actually, if you happen to canada be in the day States. so Ooh. Ooh, happy canada day. well happy canada the day, day that we're recording is canada day yes but the day that this comes out is going to be the fourth america of day. Independence day. <laughs> how how good was that movie by the way Independence, oh, Day? Independence Day. I was like, Canada let's talk Day? about that score. Yes, Canada Day. Uh, Canada Day. Canada. That's the friendliest movie ever. <laughs> There's no conflict. Sorry. Sorry. Good <laughs> uh, times. Anyways, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are we talking about next week? Uh, it's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a it's thing gonna be with a some thing. stuff. Yep. Thing with some stuff. Mm. I'll talk be hosting, and there'll be a, there'll be a, a something going on that we know about, and you just don't yet. We'll talk about our grilling and. Burgers and wieners. Grill and chill. Grill and, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, DQ's grill and, grill and chill, man. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Go get you some lizards. Some lizards. Some lizards. Lizard gizzard. Go get you some oh, lizards. lizards. That's gizzard. the joke you're making. I was like, why are we getting lizards? <laughs> well, I mean, you can get both. You can put a lizard in a blizzard. Uh, have a lizard the blizzard. Old lizard blizzard. The old lizard blizzard. Blizzard lizard blizzard lizzard. For a blizzard, limited blizzard. time. From grill know. and chill dairies. This is really, I mean, probably most people have tuned out by now, but I just found like a little piece of uh, like grass or something just kind of in my belly button. And I don't know how grass? that happened. Yeah. Oh, is that the um, uh, monotone? Is that? Oh my god! God, I want to play one so bad. <laughs> what is he playing? I'm gonna tell you. Okay. If you can figure it out, I'll give you a hundred dollars. If you figure it out what that song was, tell us. Until next week. That sounds familiar. Oh well. Go Enjoy your time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.